Ted! How you doing? Good, Ted. I'm a Detroit boy myself, man. So, so well, then to you talk gotta to. love Detroit muscle. Strap yes. your ass in. I got a fire breathing mobile park. <laughs> like a rock and roll dream. Kick out the jams if you really wanna go far. Motor City Soul gonna make you scream. Well, you know, when Uncle Ted stops by, it's going to be uh, something, <laughs> you know, the Motor City uh, Madman, the Motor City Madman, Deadly Tedly, uh, the Nuge, uh, Uncle Ted, whatever you, you call him. Great uh, White you know. Buffalo. Yeah, the great way. But that's right. Uh, uh, Fred Bear, you know, I'm stranglehold all the classics and uh, he's back with Detroit Muscle, the new record and uh, come and take it is that single that just came out a few days ago. And how cool was this to talk to somebody who loves rock music, who loves like the origins of rock, who talked about Chuck Berry, yeah. who talked about uh, all of those founding, you know, Detroit icons as well. Uh, Brother Shane, it, it was magic, man. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that all these Detroit legends, these musicians, Alice Cooper did Detroit Detroit Stories with a lot yep. of the guys from the original band. Mike Skill did uh, uh, 67 Riot with, with Wayne Kramer. Um, and now Ted reaching back into the bag. Uh, Detroit, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of getting revitalized and it should. One of probably one of the most important cities in, in the U.S. for, Amen. for music. Um, in the 60s 70s and it, it needs its due it really does and um we got to talk to ted about all kinds of stuff from everything yep. from uh rock and roll hall of fame to some political stuff came some in, political you know? stuff of course because ted likes yep. to talk politics mm -hmm. he does it all the time he's on yep. tucker carlson yep. you name it um yeah and we just uh really touched down it, it uh wow <laughs> yeah. And, and we should say, you know, uh, Ted's opinions are his opinions are not necessarily the opinions and views of this program. Uh, we have to put that out there. But, you know, listen, we love we love his music. And and hey, you know, his opinions are his opinions. Yeah, we were freedom of speech, man. That's what it's all about. Yep. You know. Yeah. And uh, a lot of moments there, a lot of some emotional moments when he talked about the, the losses of some friends of his and, and uh, an injury, an injury that a, a good buddy of his uh, had as well. So uh, it's all there yeah. for you. Yeah. Also, right before we go to this this uh, interview, it's like an hour and 15 minutes, I think we have. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, getting to see Ted uh, give us a, a demo of some of the songs, man. You're going to love it. So powerful, man. It. When he picked up that Birdland, oh. when he picked up that guitar, when oh. he plugged in, when he clicked on the amp and, and the raw ear splitting riffs coming through live, folks. I mean, you know, it, it's like, you know, we, we, you know, artists get obviously rightfully so I think, you know, a little bit of dirt when they're not playing live. Ted is all live. I mean, that guitar, it is all live. It was on fire and it was there's was something that comes through guitar players i think you know even as a struggling guitar player myself i think the passion's there i just don't know how to make it talk myself yeah. ted's one of those guys he knows how to make that axe talk axe yep. slang for guitars uh <laughs> to be clear uh and he's just he just made it happen man and played some just amazing riffs his stuff some classics oh, i mean oh so good we My got our own private up. concert we got our own concert right here man we did uh, but the, i mean 
growing up with Ted, uh, I grew up with his music. I mean, yeah. Free For All, Cat Scratch Fever, mm-hmm. the, the first album, the Double Live Gonzo, uh, have them all, listened to the crap out of them, skated to it, played basketball to it. It's That was the music uh, of my, you know, I was like 8, 9, 10, 11, yeah. 12. <laughs> so uh, why this guy is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. I don't even think he's been nominated. Um, yeah. I, I've, never aside, I've never seen his name. I've never seen his name come aside, up on a ballot. Yeah, you know, uh, he he's basically strange from from that whole scene, and uh, he's kind of like an outlier at this point. And yeah. uh, I kind of think it's if you're gonna if you're gonna have people in um, for their views, then I think you really need to reevaluate. You know, the process of how you choose artists to go in because Ted's influenced a lot of people. If you like him or you don't, if you, if you love yeah. him or you hate him, it doesn't matter. That's my uh, opinion. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. If you look at it just from the perspective of the music and, and the influences, I mean, Journey to the Center of the Mind, all the way up to everything musically. Uh, I mean, nobody has that guitar tone. Nobody has that sound. I think nobody yeah. has a reverence the way he does for the influences. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm talking strictly music here. I'm not getting into politics. Um, the music alone, you know, you you wouldn't. Ha- it's hard to imagine a slash without uh, Ted Nugent. It's hard to imagine a lot of these guys, you know, out there without Ted Nugent. I don't know. Um, I mean, he he was certainly you know uh, vibrant and vital to the era, the '70s. But he's continued to influence a lot of people. I mean, he has a style, a playing style that you just don't hear. And I don't think it's been replicated. And and yeah, I, I do think that just from the, if, if we're looking at from music, it, there's other factors obviously that go into these things, but if you're looking <laughs> at it strictly from a musical standpoint, there's no reason he should uh, not be in there. I mean, there, I mean, there's, you know, there, he should be in there, you know, no he, question he took, about it. He took the groove of Detroit, the soul of Detroit, the R&B, the blues mm-hmm. of Detroit, the grit, that, that yep. groove, and he, and he ma- meshed it with the, the hard rock. Yeah. And and then that, you know, eight, six, seven, eight minute solo in the middle there. You yeah. know, it, nobody was doing it like Ted. Really he was wasn't. hard rock. He was 12 early, minute songs, dude. Yeah. 12 minute songs. I mean, yeah. who did that? Progressive influences, musically progressive. I mean, in many ways, he defined a lot of progressive rock. And if you go way back early, early, early. And when I say progressive, again, I'm not I don't mean politics. Mm-hmm. That's that's a musical term, folks. Um, yeah, no question about that. And, and I mean, he was the epitome of hard rock and, and he, he uses, and, and specifically while he's blazing as a lead guitarist, but the rhythm, the rhythm guitar, the cut, the scrape, the, the stuff he was doing in the demo. I mean, when yeah. he's scraping across those pickups and, and <laughs> that, that's part of the music, the, you know, that's the attack, you know, that is part of part and parcel of the musicianship right there. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been sort of fighting with the establishment his whole yeah. life. So yeah. uh, arguing with Paul McCartney, Sir Paul yep. McCartney, arguing with David Crosby. He's very issue oriented and he's never going to back down from that, Dave. Uh, yeah. It's it's very clear from this interview that um, Ted is Ted and there mm-hmm. ain't no change in Uncle Ted. Right. And and there's a lot of musicians who have had battles with the establishment with I mean, from Paul Stanley and Kiss, they've had issues with. Uh, the, the the rock and rock and roll hall of fame establishment the you know there's other artists who have been very critical of how that organization operates so it's not just ted todd but, rundgren yeah. yeah todd rundgren absolutely yeah many others yeah so but well, let's uh, but, uh 
let's get let's to get it, to man. It. it was a great Tom interview. Brother? We, we, uh, yeah, there's a lot that we covered, so we'll get right into it. Check it out. What's going on, sir? How are you doing, Tim? I, I'm feeling so energized. I might squirt through this apparatus and base you. <laughs> <laughs> well zoom is known for a lot of things so well, we'll see what happens there with technology man Uncle you Ted guys Gordon. look like you can handle it so so happy thanksgiving every day to you guys happy independence day every day happy veterans day every day happy yes. middle finger on fire day every day. <laughs> same to you sir same to you man yeah, yeah happy holidays to you man we are we're ready and raring to go man uh, this the new album detroit muscle it's heavy it's it feels like there's a resurgence for detroit and it's the legends like you that are just you know flying that flag high and mighty man well, gentlemen, I mean, I'm pretty good with the English language. Nobody's ever listened to me talk and went, I wonder what he meant. Um, <laughs> there is no ambiguity in my soul. My point being is that I fumble. I struggle to find words to adequately describe the firestorm of groove and intensity that whether it's Brownville Station or the Amboy Dukes or the MC5 or, 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 or Bob Seeger, and even today with Kid Rock, yeah. what, what Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels established, do not underestimate this. I know I've been clean and sober for 73 years. My, my evidence gathering apparatus is accurate. And the mighty Motown Funk Brothers, what <laughs> they established in Detroit, if you love music, and you don't settle for just listening to music. You want to find the musical beast within what Mitch Ryder established and the Motown Funk Brothers established. And of course, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Little Richard, Wilson Pickett, Sam and Dave, James Brown. But, but the specific Motor City stuff. Think of an A-10 warthog and how you would invite <laughs> it to a doily argument. It, it, was just, it literally was a firestorm yeah. of piss and vinegar and energy. And by the way, 73 years later, after being born in 1948, do I or do I not accomplish it as an <laughs> old man in 2021? What the <laughs> hell am I up to? <laughs> well, you don't look you don't look 73 at all. Let's first say that right now. Is it the well, right if I had some sleep, I'm I'd be downright handsome. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, during the hunting season, I got the silver beard going. But you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I got to tell you, I've been clean and sober all my life. No drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco, no fat girlfriends. That stuff will kill you. I'm telling you that. Uh, my point being <laughs> is that I, I've always been carpe diem. I I I thank God every day for the gift of another day, and so I live it like an A-10 warthog at the shooting gallery. I, I love life so much that when I grab my guitar, that fire has a sound. It has a groove. It has a lyric. It has, mm. it has a middle finger on fire. It has love, passion, defiance, mostly defiance, but equal amounts of love and, and, and compassion and empathy and all the important ingredients that makes a good human being and is not afraid to unleash that. And, and I gotta, I gotta tell you, I talked to Tom Moat Noel the other day, my drummer from 1960. Mm. 
I, I'm on the phone with my old musicians. I said goodbye to John Drake, who just passed away last month, a, a super powerful musical mentor, a force of musicality. Mm. And with today, with Jason Hartless from Detroit on drums, with Greg Smith on bass guitar, these guys, and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Funk Brothers or the Famous Flames with James Brown. Mm hmm but my guys are that good. Mm. My guys are, are their animals. They, they are, the best way to describe it is they are samurai musicians. We get together in that barn to record Detroit Muscle or the music made me do it or shut up and jam. It, it's out of body. It's almost like a bunch of horny kids about to do the preparation for the Victoria's Secrets paint on bikinis. It's literally, you can hardly control yourself. <laughs> so, so my point is, is that what you feel on Detroit Muscle or the Amboy Dukes or the damn Yankees or any of my records, my guys are so zero. They're like Bruce Lee of music. Oh, man. They, they are to watch them in action. It, it, that's why my plane is so good. That's why my my vocals are so fiery, because I'm I'm watching these guys and I'm going, geez, even if I wasn't me, I'd I'd watch these guys. <laughs> so so the inspiration is unlimited. It's what a lucky, lucky son of a bitch I am, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, Ted, what what was it like? I mean, you just decided that you hated drugs you didn't want to do them did you, did you ever try them early on and you were just like i don't like this or well no, never there's a there's a there's a number of uh incremental steps to my decision number one my dad was a drill sergeant in the u.s cavalry u.s army cavalry mm. <laughs> very good source of discipline i might say hell of and a of start course, and of course you guys know all too well the human psychology who would have been more ripe to defy that discipline than a kid who was under his thumb all my life? I should have become a heroin addict and joined John Belushi in the grave, I suppose. Um, but I didn't because what my dad taught me about frugality, work ethic, what, what could be, play a more important role into pursuing guitar adventure? Eco the the economics of time, how to manage my time as a stupid kid. I mean, we're talking eight, nine years old, but he made me practice. He set the timer on the damn stove, 30 minutes, and I want to hear music coming. I want to hear some guitar stuff coming out of you for 30 minutes. And if, I, if, I, if there's a moment of silence, I'm taking the guitar away. Mm. Now, that would piss a kid off, and it did. But I had to obey because I was scared to death, this son of a bitch. How <laughs> beautiful! That's called Parenting 101. So my, my, my answer morphs into the next stage. I loved the rehearsals where we played so tight. We played all of James Brown stuff. We played all of Sam and Dave and, and Wilson Pickett, all Motown songs, all Chuck. Mm. And you had to play tight. So we were like, I was like a drill sergeant. You, you should do an interview with some of the Amboy Duke, Gary Hicks. I keep in touch with Gary yeah, Hicks, man. the original Amboy Duke. And I was like a drill sergeant, and I made sure that the chops were. And everybody, I'm mouthing off these grooves, and these guys, I'm, I'm like 16, and they're going, Where'd this guy come from? <laughs> I came from Detroit. 
Yes. I came from John Brake forcing me to play like that. You don't mm. go da 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 da. You go I got goosebumps right now, and I hope you yeah. do too. Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. The, the answer to deciding to be clean and sober instead of following the pack, the there's two prime ingredients. Number one, I am a defiant son of a bitch. Mm. You can recommend anything to me and i will be suspicious of it mm. what a great gift mm -hmm. especially yeah. the the clusterfuck that we're in right now in america is because people weren't suspicious enough mm. people didn't ask enough questions when they started going well you need a permit for your second amendment no i don't i don't need paperwork for god-given rights well you need a concealed weapon no i don't well we got constitutional carry now i had that when i was born who are you? Who are you? Who are you that's going to determine where, if, or when I can defend my life? Who the who do you think you are? Get the hell out of my way! What a what a great thing I am, huh? Anyhow, my point is, is back then, I had these incredible musicians, and I didn't smoke. My dad would have kicked my ass. Plus, I thought the cigarettes stunk, but the cigarettes my musicians were smoking smelled good. I had no idea what it was. But it sure smelled good, so I was tempted to do it. But to put burning things in your mouth and inhale smoke just seemed stupid to me. Mm, yeah. And now the emphasis was the more they smoke this stuff, the more they forgot the arrangements mm. and the more they played lackadaisical. I hate lackadaisical. I hate comfortably numb because it's actually uncomfortably dumb. So mm. pragmatism, now that goes to another ingredient. I was raised a bow hunter. If you want to kill a deer with a bow and arrow, you can't be comfortably numb. You're going to have to buy chicken. In fact, you have to have somebody else buy your chicken. You'll be so stupid. So <laughs> craving to get close to an animal and come to full draw with a bow and arrow, a primal perfection. Literally, the the definition of primal scream. Mm. Well, I didn't know it then, but I knew I really wanted to get close to that deer, and I couldn't because I was uppity. Have you noticed I'm a little uppity? So <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't stealthy. So when I saw the pragmatism of the great Hawk Walensky, just a great man, Dave Walensky, called the Hawk. He was Chaka Khan's musical director forever. He played killer keyboards in oh, my yeah. band, the 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 the. the uh, the Amboy Dukes briefly, and he played on Little Miss Dangerous. But I saw as this great musician, just an, an ungodly, like Coltrane, Youssef Latif, uh, miracle, musical, outrage guy. I, I saw, you know, the eyes got, the, the eyelids got down, and they weren't, there wasn't, there wasn't the intensity that I craved. I craved intensity. I craved James Brown, and can't play James Brown music high. Right. There's no way you can keep up with the drums and bass. You know, where you can play that drum and bass if you're high. You got to be so cocked, locked, and ready to rock the Glock around the clock, Doc. <laughs> that comfortable numb will make you play folk music or maybe even Grateful Dead stuff, which is a curse, by the way. Anyhow, <laughs> so by the way, that's the I headline right there. <laughs> the, re the reason I don't play uh, country music is because I still have a penis. Anyhow, the point being is that. Pragmatism played a huge role in my decision where I'm watching these guys 
getting high, stumbling, puking, dying. These beautiful girls were like zombies. I don't want to have sex with a zombie. I want to have sex with an animal. I want a woman who's turned. I mean, we're talking in my teenage years, but I couldn't have I couldn't have articulated what I'm saying right now. But instinctively, I wanted I wanted to play like the Funk Brothers, and I I know they smoke dope. <laughs> but and I and, and Keith Richards, I, I can't explain that. Uh, but I can explain Jimmy. Yeah, he's gone. I can't explain. I told Jimmy Hendrix, I said, no, I don't want that shit. And Jimmy, it's going to kill you. Quote, I said it. Hmm. Keith Moon, I don't need that Jack Daniels. And, and Keith, but he didn't even understand me. He was so fucked up. And Bon Scott, I don't know. I don't need your whiskey. No, and I don't know. It's going to kill you, Bon. You got this gift. What are you doing? Does How does drooling and stumbling enhance your musical dreams. And I'll tell you, it. I had these conversations with my musical heroes. Mm. So every step I'm going, well, you get high, you drool, you throw up, and then you're dead. Well, I'm not jumping off that cliff. You can tell me the water's deep enough all you want, but everybody's dead down there. Their heads are hitting the rocks, so fuck you. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a utilitarian, pragmatic decision-making process. Mm to safeguard the intensity of my music. And, and all you need to know is on Detroit Muscle, I'm an old man. If that's not a horny teenager with his loud, with his first loud amplifier surrounded by a bunch of skinny cheerleaders, I don't know how else to explain what we did on Detroit Muscle. <laughs> is the music a high in itself? Like when you talk about those Detroit influences, and I know you have a reverence for black music too. I mean, like, you know, I mean, John. Always, Lover, all my always. life. What was that high like when you first, you know, discovered that music? And I mean, just it, it did it light up. It must have lit a fire that's obviously, you know, still burning today. Well, remember when I was born, 1948, Les Paul had just electrified the guitar just a few yeah. years earlier. And Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Dwayne Eddy and Lonnie Mack, the Ventures, and uh, Smith at Motown, the Funk Brother playing that uh, Gibson uh, 400, Super 400, mm -hmm. that owns... I mean, oh, I don't yeah. know how this will translate. <laughs> how, how can you not be turned on by, and by the way, Gibson Birdland yeah. from Kalamazoo, oh, how God. can you not be turned on when you hear? <laughs> I got sunshine. On a cloudy day, get the hell! I got goosebumps on my goosebumps. <laughs> I have a spiritual erection. How? And then, and then, take that soulfulness, and then the transition by Jimmy McCarty with Billy mm. Lee and the Rivieres, who turned into Mitch Ryder. By the way, to my right, you wonder where all this fire comes from. Mm -hmm. To my right is a 1964 mm. Fender Twin amplifier that played on this song. Hey. I see 
ACC rider. Come on, see, baby, what you have done now. Get the hell out of here. I don't need coffee, yes. man. I don't need yes. I, am, I am fired up. <laughs> now you take that chicka 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 from Jimmy McCarty and you plug into an amplifier, which happened to be a twin reverb on a Birdland, because that's how I saw Jimmy play mm -hmm. at the Wald Lake Casino in 1960, and it imprinted. And then, as I kept playing with the Birdland, which is a unique instrument, because it's hollow body and it... A lot of guys will say, well, I can't play a bird line. It feeds back. That's the whole point. <laughs> so you Tone. take that influence from the groove of the black heroes, which Mitch Ryder, I'll let you tell Mitch Ryder he's not black. You go ahead and tell him that. Um, <laughs> and so then, and, and you can hear Jimmy goes. And then, of course, Bo Diddley. You got that. You know, you got that grind. Well, guess how that morphed for Ted Nugent? That hole. Yes. You know, that check, 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 check. It's what it's what James Brown's tambourine player, drummer on the hi-hat, bass and and guitar all together. I do it all with my right hand because it was the song that moved me, not the individual parts isolated, but the individual parts in consortium. And that's how I create my music. So the, the influence in Detroit was omnipotent it, yeah. you, if you love music you could not escape it and you never wanted to and mm -hmm. here it is all these years later and you're hearing what you would have heard at the grandy ballroom in 1966 and 67 and 68 if you were fortunate to witness it i not only still do it but even more intense because of jason heartless and greg smith's dedication to the pulse and delivery of my ramrod crowbar of love songs mm. <laughs> wow <laughs> total goosebumps man oh by the way goosebumps you not, i am always like this <laughs> no this morning, I, know, I love it but this morning um i'm even more like this because i sent three perfect arrows I got up way before day. Yesterday was duck hunting with Happy Sadie and Coco. My mm. dogs, no love has ever been as powerful as my dog's love for me, retrieving mm. those ducks from the swamp here in Texas. But this morning, my energy, I manage it. Because you can't be like this deer hunt with a bow and arrow. You got to shut the, you got <laughs> you to you gotta turn into a, 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 a cougar, mm. a a, a, a predator a leopard stealth samurai a, 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 attaining omniscience you have to or the deer will get by you or they'll see you first but my point is i am literally 
stoned right now, intoxicated, drunk, inebriated. I sent three perfect arrows mm. in a three-hour period into three beautiful Texas white-tailed does. It, it, it's out of body, gentlemen, and as silent and still and, 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 and one with the wind that I was this morning, now I don't have to be quiet, so now I can celebrate it <laughs> in uppity fashion and share it with you and your viewers and listeners because we talk about organic, field to table. Hello! <laughs> Welcome to the party, people! That's how we've lived forever. I'm like Cochise or Natty Bumpo. I'm like uh, uh, Crazy Horse, probably more like Crazy Horse, um, <laughs> because I've always been a bow hunter, and that intensity of stealth manifested in my songs. You listen to the song Born in the Motor City, Detroit Muscle, mm -hmm. Come and Take It, um, American Campfire. I, I so love these songs because a guy asked me, well, how do you write songs? I don't write songs. I've never sat down. There are no pencils and papers anywhere near my creative hell zone. Mm -hmm. I don't write songs. I ejaculate them. I pick up the guitar and my hands go places. And it's always a pattern with a groove. Mm. Every one of my songs starts with a pattern that is a groove. Um, I, American Campfire. Everybody loves the American Campfire. Don't you hear it calling your name? Hey! Everybody, Wait, what, what else would you sing? To? Everybody loves the American campfire. I had no idea what I was going to ejaculate <laughs> that day, but that lick happened. Well, gather round, children, the party is on. Family and friends are here. Pull up a stump, set yourself down. I like to buy you all a beer. Hey, everybody loves the American campfire. Don't you hear it calling your name? Hey, get the I got my goosebumps are in they're, they're in battle. It's like hand to hand yeah. combat goosebumps. So. <laughs> Now, all my songs, what, what else would you sing to? Where, where does this come from? Let's <laughs> kill it. So, so I, I, again, I, if ever there's a guy that lives out of body, stream of consciousness and and then some aura era that is beyond stream of consciousness I, I'm, I'm possessed by my cravings for music I'm possessed by yeah. trying to be as tight as James Brown would have me I'm I'm I love the the musicula ACDC, uh, Van Halen, ZZ Top, uh, Cheap Trick, Foreigner, uh, the, the stuff that Journey does, uh, ACDC, uh, uh, Mitch Ryder, Bob Seger, Kid mm. Rock. I love the, the, the fire, the, the, the grind. And so as I come in, I'm, I'm, I, I consider myself a servant to the musical whirlwind around me. And it, it just, it, it literally has a life of its own. And it, 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 I, I, I think you can grasp in my 
feeble attempt to explain what I do, how special it, it is, how, yeah. how rewarding it is. And then you go to my Facebook and people go, we played your Fred Bear song at my uncle's funeral last night. Mm. And, and my, we played the Fred Bear song at my son's funeral last night. We played the Stranglehold when my son came home from Iraq. Um, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. We played Wango Tango. Uh, what a perfect song for the 50th wedding anniversary. Maybe they got 50 more with that stuff going on. Uh, so to, to read that, I, I get emotional. I'll sit at my and read Facebook, and I, my, I tear up. Mm. What, is there a more, the more, most powerful connections you can have in life is to breed and create a child. I think that's yeah. number one. Equal to that, is defending your family from evil. It's one of the greatest perfections in life is to destroy evil. Again, you Pearl Harbor me, I Nagasaki you. This is perfect. Old Yeller, good dog, biscuit. Foaming at the mouth dog, bullet to the head. These are extremes, but they're, they're a ballet of life. But when you can touch people with a song that just came it just came forth and a person uses it for an anniversary or a funeral here's yesterday i'll try i'll try to compose myself here a dear friend fell out of his tree he got up in his tree stand without a safety harness and i if he wasn't so hurt i'd go punch him he was in a coma they played their wedding song, no reaction. The nurse was pinning him where the injuries were, picking at him with needles, no reaction. They played stranglehold, and his eyes opened up. Oh, my God. Wow. What's going on here? Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. All I did was unleash my feelings. It's a defiant song. If a house gets in my way, I'll burn it down. Yeah, Remember yeah. the night you left me, you put me on my place, I got you in a stranglehold and I crushed your face. Now, I'm not crushing anybody's faces, but it's a metaphor for not taking any crap. He opened his eyes. Wow. I... I, I'm just a humble servant to God, and he caresses me, and he goes, hey, you might want to write this American campfire lick. Go ahead. Mm. Follow my lead. You'll, you'll come up with some words. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, it's that pure. Yeah, it's yeah. that pure. Oh, man. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. And by the way, every day something like that happens. Every day, uh, a family, my, my son's remains are coming home. We're going to play the Fred Bear song. When my son went into battle, he played Stranglehold, and he loved everything you stand for, and he wanted to send you this coin. Who am I? Huh? How could I possibly deserve? See all these coins behind me? Yeah. Can you see my... Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Thousands of them from heroes, and they, none of them knew each other. Thousands, guys, 
at the, at the hardware store, at the sushi bar, at the Whole Foods, at the, at the restaurant, at the gas station. These guys will come up and press a coin into my hand and say, this is for you because you fight every day for what my buddies died for. Now, I know that, but I don't think that because I see what consternation and angst I bring into liberals' lives. <laughs> so I got to be doing something really, really good. And it's because I stand up for what those guys died for. And the liberals are pissing on their grave. Well, I'm kneeling at their grave and praying. And it causes the grave pissers much pain and suffering. I'm, I'm Michael the Archangel with a Glock. Uncle Ted, that's got to be worth so so much more to you than like the, the stupid Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and stuff like that, isn't it? It, it, it eclipses it. it. Literally, the Rock and Roll what? <laughs> no, Even though I think that you should be in it. I mean, come on, 40 million records sold. You, you uh, inspired uh, the straight edge movement, uh, the punk movement. You skaters like you. Um, I don't know how many people you influenced. I'm sure that I'm sure Eddie was a fan. All of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they sometimes just uh, hesitate to admit it because, well, Nugent murders innocent animals. It's called barbecue, asshole. <laughs> uh, so but I have I still a lot can't believe you're not support. in it. Yeah, I have same a here. lot of support to my face. Eddie was a dear friend. Slash has made nice comments. Um, uh, so many, Sammy Hager is a dear friend. Mm. They're all friends to my face. And the guys I just mentioned, um, always, they're, they don't hesitate. But because the entertainment media so hates me, not all of them, but the majority, um, because I promote the Second Amendment, well, self-defense is perfect. Hunting, venison, balancing herds. It's perfect. It's literally some of the last perfect things a man can endeavor. But if you get comfortably numb often enough, you will be so stupid to think that perfection is offensive. Well, Kyle Rittenhouse, he shouldn't have been there. Yeah, he should have been. There should have been another hundred of them. Because evil needs to be neutralized. And when you shove a pistol in somebody's face, you need to be neutralized. A couple double taps, center mass, ought to do it. Um, I say things like that, and they go, well, that's vicious, that's evil. No, no, that's good. It's, it's, it's so good because it's neutralizing evil. You, you, you numb nut. So, so I stand up unambiguously and unhesitatingly because I saw that, that this thing, the culture war, was happening in the late 60s. I was attacked for carrying a gun and killing deer. Well, carrying a gun and killing deer is literally perfect. It's some of the most perfect things on planet Earth. What are you talking about? So in an attempt to debate me, um, I would use their skull for entertainment purposes um, because the listeners knew that I was right. The listeners knew, well, of course you can defend yourself. Of course you can carry a gun. You can you buy a chainsaw and a jackhammer if you want, but a gun's easier to carry. Um, so truth, logic, and common sense has always been my battle cry. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, God bless them, because Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Little Richard and the Stones yeah. and, the and the Who and the Kinks and, and all those great, great bands, they deserve to be in there. But how dare you 
put in Patti Smith and Grandmaster Flash and ABBA and Madonna before Triumph. Right. Or before Styx or before Ted Nugent. What are you, nuts? And of course, the answer to that is, yep. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm not offended by it at all on a personal level. I'm offended for Chuck. Right. Is it um, uh, just too political, you think, from a music industry standpoint the you know the executives and some might say paper pushers who control the the rock hall is it just is it they just pick their favorites at the end you think or well when i when i dominated planet earth um in the 70s um (laughs) epic records was a great team player they loved all my outrageous defiant stuff they loved the bows and arrows and the guns Mm. we used it to promote my lifestyle those i mean bows and arrows and guns and Standing up for the Constitution and good over evil, it's my, it's my lifestyle. It's not like a, a PR campaign. But you can, you can relate to the public, which is what public relations, PR, that's what that is. So 40 million records later, my greatest tour ever was 2019. I, there's, again, I, I feel helpless finding words to describe what Jason and Greg delivered every night, every song, every lick. And the, the intensity of the audience is, if you're not adequately trained in the world of intense rock and roll, my audiences could scare the shit out of you. <laughs> they're, they're just, they're ready. <laughs> it, it's so into the music, which is like, hallelujah, that's why I started. I wanted the music to, to play the, 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 the night. And so do my music-loving fans. So the leftist industry in the 70s, you know, the best example is the European press. They're fascinated. The guy shoots stuff with a bow and arrow. We need a picture of Ted with a bow and arrow. Is there any picture with Ted with a dead deer? Oh, this is fascinating. This is like original. (laughs) This is like organic. This is like primal. I think this is how rock and roll started, a primal scream. (laughs) Within a year or so, they went from loving that outrageous stuff, and it is outrageous in the world of entertainment. Nobody's ever <laughs> shot, shot a target on stage with a flaming arrow. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. It's the best <laughs> thing in the world. Um, but all of a sudden, they went from loving this unique, defiant, outrageous guy. Unique, defiant, outrageous. Little Richard. Unique, defiant, outrageous. Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. Wow, unique, defiant, outrageous, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, unique, outrageous, defiant, Mick Jagger. Really? So now, unique, outrageous, and defiant, it went from the essence of rock and roll. Because Here's, here's why they turned on me. Their most stoned fans, there was just a lunatic fringe, but they're the loudest voice. That's why there's a CNN, because they mm. cater to a huge, squalling voice of lunatic fringe. Well, the media in the around the world, they started to listen. Well, I can't believe you promoted Ted Nugent. He's a coward because he murders innocent animals. Well, the first response was, since when does courage play a role in killing a deer? <laughs> coward. <laughs> I stalked through the swamp and killed a deer. There's no courage. You got to be sneaky, but it, you don't have to be brave. <laughs> what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> but if you smoke enough dope, you can be that stupid. So they started responding to the lunatic fringe. 
And now the things that they thought were unique and fun and exciting, because they are unique and fun and exciting, the things I said on stage, outrageous, defiant. I was Sam Kinison and Richard Pryor before Sam Kinison and Richard Pryor, quite honestly. Um, and so they turned on me because they listened to the lunatic fringe. Plus, if in their feeble, hopeless attempt to debate me on my core values, I danced on their skulls. I'm a smart son of a bitch. I'm a witty, street-fighting motherfucker. And if you try to debate me, I will probably eat your family tree and shit toxic sawdust in your face before you get to the second question. <laughs> and so, because I so hurt them in their attempts to debate me, they, they just got angry. And so they would make lies up about me um, uh, because they couldn't take me on head to head. Uh, so, but here's the, here's the great thing. Am, am I the happiest guy on earth? You betcha. The shit kickers, the rednecks, the conservatives, working hard, playing hard America. Some indulgence. A lot of my fans still like to get high and they like their whiskey and I, that's fine. I brought my Thanksgiving dinner table. Everybody's going to have a beer and some wine. I have no problem with that. And I suppose uh, I, I just can't support dope. I, I just can't. I've just seen too many ruined lives. As a cop, I've conducted federal raids with the U.S. Marshals. Everybody who commits violent crimes is high, and they don't report that. All these maggots I arrested were all high, and they're child molesters, murderers, stabbers, shooters, and carjackers because they've lost their soul through comfortable numbnutness. So I can't support the system by which you can turn into an evil doer. Now, are there dope smokers out there that don't do evil? Yes, I know a bunch of them. <laughs> Moderation, uh, okay. But why? You, are you telling me that you're more alive high than you are straight? Because I'm telling you, you ain't. In getting good sleep and good nutrition and intellectual prioritization, you're a greater force to reckon with. You're a more benefit to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, not just to yourself, but your family, your neighbors, your country. Being the best that you can be doesn't include comfortably numb. Now, do we need to relax? I'm the master. I was in my tree this morning. If I, I won't bore you because here I was in my tree. My bow is in my hand and my hand was on my knee. I had an arrow knocked, and this was Ted Nugent for about an hour before I moved. <laughs> the focus. An hour. Wow. And you know what I was doing? Absorbing a symphony of bird song i could hear i have hearing aids or i couldn't hear anything <laughs> i could hear leaves hitting other leaves on the way down i heard a train miles away i could hear truck tires on i-35 because the wind was that way i heard footsteps behind me i don't dare move and look or you're done but I use my peripheral vision 
That's a nice buck. So I'm already stimulated by this beautiful stag. He was only two years old, so I wanted to shoot him, but he's too young. <laughs> I want to see what it looked like at four. Ah! Um, <laughs> so, so I'm waiting for a mature deer. That's trophy hunting. Perfect. But I need to shoot a lot of does to balance the herd. Biologically, you have to shoot does. So I, nobody will ever attain the comfort flat line while remaining poised. You can be definitively comfortable without being reticent or capable of saving your family from a burning building. And I know that's an yeah. extreme example, right. but do you want to be in perfect condition to provide and protect your family? Or do you want, or are you so selfish that you want to become comfortably numb? I cannot, I cannot support that. I'm sorry. And so guys that get comfortably numb, some of them respect that, but a lot of them are very angry. And I'm not, I'm not telling them they can't, but I'm trying to advise them they shouldn't. It's like my friends that are dying. They were all fat. Well, it's body, what's it called? Body criticizing or whatever. You're no, shaming, no, body shaming. Or... Yeah. No, no, I love you. Blubber's not good on a human. It's for whales. <laughs> no, no. I said, Jim, my friend. Yeah. You gotta back off the sugar, and I've been saying he's dead now. I'm sorry. And Ted yeah. is dead. My buddy Ted Spratt. I said, Ted, you're huge. And his son cried at the funeral. I said, Ryan, you're too big. What do you? Whatever Mr. Hand is putting in Mr. Grocery Cart has to stop today. What is it? Your what? Is, sugar, carbs, giant portions. So body shaming, you got to be kidding. I'm trying to save your life. Is that not important? Because it's important to me. So these are the kind of, so you're better straight than stoned, period. You're better athletic and healthy than fat, period. It's not a Ted Nugent hunch. I don't have any hunches. I'm just not stupid and selfish enough to put forth a hunch. You know, I have this hunch. No, the masks don't work. It's an experimental shot. It's, it's against the law. It's against the Nuremberg trials. It's against my morals. It, it's an experimental shot. You can't experiment on people. It's not a hunch. Well, you're going to listen to Howard Stern. You're going to listen to doctors or Ted Nugent. I'm parroting the best doctors in the world. The virologists, the epidemiologists, the dedicated healthcare professionals. That's where I get my information about health. I don't have hunches. What do you say to some of the folks who say, who say their doctors told them to wear a mask or, you know, they, and the fact that the, the feds have approved, uh, you know, started the, the uh, vaccine approvals and such. Those are probably some of the same doctors that tried to give uh, the syphilis injections to black people uh, long ago, and maybe the same ones that uh, recommended formaldehyde 
uh, uh, for pregnant women, and then it took them years to finally admit that it was uh, deforming babies. Um, the CDC, virtually untrustworthy. The WHO, the enemy of mankind. Well, that's outrageous. Yeah, they're financed by the communist Chinese, which are the enemy of mankind, which makes the WHO the enemy of mankind. I believe that Big Pharma is the arm of the devil. I believe that the CDC and the FDA and the IHM or whatever these bureaucrat devil gangs are, virtually untrustworthy. Oh yeah, let's call the FBI. They'll, they'll, they'll support law and order. <coughs> James Comey, prick. James Comey, oath-violating traitor. I know, they're, they're not voices of authority. You know who the voice of authority is? You're looking at them. Guess who's in charge of my life? Only me. Well, you need a permit. Fuck you. I had a bumper crop of fuck yous this year. If anybody needs any, I'll air <laughs> Here's the beauty of Ted Nugent. There's so many examples. Um, uh, but here's one of the most beautiful things about Ted Nugent. When I admitted I got it, the media went, what it called it, called it viral. It went viral that I got what I deserved. Explain that. Did, did the little, did the baby with leukemia, did that baby get what it deserved? Did all the people who got the weaponized virus, did they get what they deserved? Oh, no, no, just Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent, because he called it a hoax. You know, I have quite a vocabulary. You know what word I have never used? Ever. Hoax. Yet there were quotation marks around it globally making fun of me, many instances, we hope he gets what he deserves and dies. Well, there's some real love from the left. I mean, it was global. I got what I deserved. I called it a hoax. First of all, nobody deserves any of that. Old Yeller did deserve the bullet eventually. Um, and the emperor deserved Hiroshima. Um, but I never called it a hoax. I called our government and the bureaucracy scam artists, which I go is a variation of identifying hoaxers. Right. But they literally put quotations around words that I never have ever said in my life. Hmm. And it went global. How how rotten to the core can a human being get than to take pleasure in another human's sickness? Yeah. Suffering. Yeah, I agree. I, I would know I my I would never take pleasure in anyone's suffering. Now, I've referenced Hiroshima and Nagasaki tragedy, but we saved lives and we, we extracted them from slavery. We let them know that the emperor isn't God. He's a punk and he's abusing you people. And when he attacked Pearl Harbor and tried to destroy freedom, we had to blow him up and his system up. All I want of you, my Japanese friends, all I want out of you is thank you, America, for, for waking us up that the emperor is not God and that you as individual humans are in charge of your life, your destiny, your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, not the emperor. So, so <laughs> you know, I suppose I could have read this in a history book, but I don't need to read it in a history book. I know these things. So, so uh, I learned that I was right all along. 
that's a that's a real burden I have to carry being right all the time. Um, but that I knew it was a weaponized virus, and I knew it would spread. But now I have the antibodies, so nobody can come at me with a needle. That, that's the science from the frontline doctors. All these frontline doctors who who came to me because I was promoting what they got banned. They identified the ivermectin successes, the the Nobel Prize for ivermectin as a human remedy globally without a prescription. The hydroxychloroquine proven treatment for virus infections, the zinc and the steroids. I did the things the government told me not to do, which, by the way, I do on an hourly basis because anything the government tells me is bad stuff. I only do smart, good, effective, proven, evidence-supported stuff. I'm an independent guy. I declare my independence either verbally or just through action. So my point is, is I did exactly what the government told me not to do. And within days, Shemaine and I were fine. And I'm reading these horrible attacks and this, this tsunami of hate that you should call it a hoax. He deserves what he get. How, how many mind-altering chemicals have you had to pound home to think such rot? That's just... Mm -hmm. It's just rot. Thank you, CNN. Thank you, MSNBC. Thank you, ABC, CBS, and, and, and the, the networks. Thank you for reminding us what happens when people lose their soul. Ted Good, haters bad. Perfect. Well, like I said, we're certainly glad you guys are better now. I mean, it's... Uh, yes, we are. It, it's a hell of a thing. Well, we were better within days. Yeah. yeah. And all my buddies, some of them, on the doorstep of death. I won't reenact what I did to their doctors, but it was beautiful. Um, forced them to provide hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, and steroids. Of course, I've always taken um, vitamin B12, vitamin B D, vitamin C, vitamin A. I've always done that. But I added the zinc. And when you already have the, the Wuhan weapon virus, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, uh, steroids, and zinc. I think three days later, I was killing deer. Mm. <laughs> wow. wow what, uh, <clears throat> Ted, what do you think of where we are as far as uh, there's so much hate? Like you said, there's it's coming from both sides. It's It feels like, uh, like guys like us in the middle, it just doesn't seem like this is where we should be as a country well first of all i would like to correct you um all the hate comes from the left any reaction to that hate appears to be hate but it's just defiance against hate it's like if someone comes at you with a brick and you beat the living shit out of them you could say well both of them were guilty of violence no no the guy stopped the guy with the brick you see what and that's what's going on the left is intoxicated on dishonesty and hate and intolerance. You could be fooled into thinking that it's all divisive, that it's all divided, that there's no unification. I give you Virginia. I give you the truck driver in New Jersey. I give you the laws being passed to save innocent uh, fetal lives. Um, I, I give you the fact that when I was growing up, there was no such thing as a concealed weapons permit. There was no Second Amendment. Because I don't need a... I, 
I have the right to speak my mind on American soil. Quite honestly, I have the right to speak my mind on planet Earth. I've always done it. I don't care if I'm in Europe or Britain or Scandinavia or America or Canada. I speak my mind. I don't need paperwork. You have a permit for your First Amendment? Nah, here's my permit right here. Don't play King George with me. I'll, I'll Concord bridge your ass. <laughs> so we all know you don't need paperwork for your First Amendment. You don't need paperwork. Why are you going to this church? Let me see your permit. Don't need paperwork for your First Amendment. It's a self-evident truth acknowledgement written down to for King George or any future King George wannabe that these First Amendment rights are from God. I don't need paperwork. Do we do we all agree on that? Do you I need agree that. Choosing yep. religion or don't need a permit, don't need a license. Nope. It's from God. We wrote it's from God. You have it. You were born with it. Let's move on to the Second Amendment, shall we? Why would I need paperwork for a God-given right as written down so nobody could be King George ever again? And I'll tell you, I don't need paperwork. I don't need licenses, and I don't need permits. Not in God-given rights. Now, I have a driver's license. <laughs> uh, but they give those to people virtually unqualified to get behind the wheel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a heartbreaker. Uh, but you know, one of the greatest joys in life is me in rush hour in a rent-a-car. You have to experience it. <laughs> think, think bumper pool with Detroit muscle. Anyhow, um, so there, there is a, a very ugly divisive chasm because the left will tell you, we don't need borders. There's a division because we do need borders. Um, well, you shouldn't have to work. You should, the government should just take care of you. Well, of course we're going to be divided because you do need to work. If you're not self-sufficient, you're, you're a liability because somebody who is working hard has to cover your lame ass. So, of course, well, these guns should be bad. We need to save lives. Those uh, machine guns are what killing everybody. No, no. If you want to save lives, we have a list of what causes death, and the AR-15 is like number 107. So you're lying. So we have to be divided because if you're lying, those of us that live the truth will be divided from you because if you wanted to save lives, you have to start with the number one cause and you have to go down the list and pipes and fists and bottles and, and vehicles and fentanyl and, and infanticide and, I mean, and drowning and there's all kinds of skateboards and somewhere down the list is rifles. So you're lying because if you want to save lives, you don't go after the 110th thing. You go after the top 20 at least. So they're lying. So there is division. There's division between truth and dishonesty. You have to have borders. You have to put your heart and soul into being the best that you can be to be an asset to your family, your neighbors, your country. And the world, that's not an opinion. Now, people who have health issues, 90, I think the doc, the medical community has admitted, I think we have to admit, I, I don't think anything, we have to admit that somewhere in the 90-some percentile of health complications are a direct result of foolish choices, known predictable mm -hmm. foolish choices. So why should I have to pay for some crippled, paralyzed guy 
who crashed his car after downing a quart of Jack Daniels. You're on your own, asshole. And we need to send the message, don't do that, because you will suffer, not just from the accident, but eternally, because we're not covering your ass. Now, if you have some family that are generous and uh, compassionate to a fault, then maybe they might cover you. But if you keep covering these people that crash their truck after drinking Jack Daniels, then you're sending a message, yeah, go ahead and crash your truck, drink Jack Daniels, and kill innocent people. We got you covered. See, that's the message that's going out. So I'm divided against that. I'm for responsible driving. I'm against drunken driving. So of course there's going to be division. There's always going to be a division. I divide between people who come in America legally and people who invade our country illegally. There's a division there. I divide between people who withdraw money from their bank account versus people who withdraw money from somebody else's bank account. There's a division there. This is a good division. We need to divide <laughs> good Evil, old yeller friendly, old yeller rabid, old yeller friendly biscuit, old yeller rabid mullet. What, what do you say? I wanted to get your take on you know, going, going back to, um, you know, the Second Amendment and, and everything is, you know, so many cities uh, where we are in Philadelphia inundated with with uh, violence, shootings, uh, murders. Uh, we're about to we're close to hitting 500 murders in Philadelphia for the second year in a row. I don't think that's happened in decades. I mean, what do you make of, you know, when people talk about guns and the context of gun violence, what, what do you make of it? How do we get out of that, do you think? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because you're talking to the right guy. I've been a sheriff deputy for 40 years. <laughs> I've got over a dozen felony arrests to my credit with uh, uh, Falcon raids with the U.S. Marshals and the uh, Texas Rangers. I've kicked down doors at 3 a.m. going after people that stab children. I want you to write this down and I want you to repeat it often. If you truly care, if you would like to stop this curse, it's all, here's the term, engineered recidivism. It's all planned. It's engineered recidivism. When you release a child rapist, whoever released him is as guilty as the child rapist because he's going to rape another child. It's been proven. When you release murderers and stabbers and shooters, well, he only he didn't kill him. He missed the artery, but he was stabbing him. When you stab someone, that's murder. You don't get off because you don't have anatomical education. You missed the pump station. Stabbing people, first of all, he should have been shot dead. So he'll never be let out by a complete corrupt failed court system and, and, and so-called justice system. The Department of Justice is the Department of Anti-Justice. The liberals and the Democrats are intentionally engineering recidivism. The most recent FBI uniform crime statistics proves that 96%, you know, if I'm 96% likely to kill a deer tonight, I'm going to kill a deer. That's a really high percentage. That's almost, that's as close to guaranteeing as possible. 96% of violent crimes, recidivistic. When you let them out, the prosecutor, the judge, the parole board, the very system is guilty for the next rape, carjacking, home invasion, child molestation, and murder. That's, that's what I believe. The court system is an atrocity. 
when you can shoot people in New York City and Philadelphia and Chicago and the prosecutor either won't charge you or they drop the felony gun charge, what does that tell you? I know what it, and you know what it tells you. You know what it tells us. They, they gotta, they've got to be doing it on purpose. And I'll tell you, they're willing to sacrifice all those lives for their maniacal gun-free zone agenda. And let me identify that. This is not a Ted Nugent hunch. Everything I just told you is not opinions. The statistics are inescapable if you're smart and caring enough to acknowledge them. Here's another painful reality you need to acknowledge. In every instance where the most lives are lost, in every instance, write it down, where the most innocent lives are slaughtered, gun-free zones. When you are forced into unarmed helplessness, evildoers that are let out can't wait to take you on because they know you can't resist. No bad guy has ever gone, you know, I was going to rob the bank, but it's a gun-free zone. Doggone it. Maybe I can rob it with a machete. Don't you see what's going on? The gun is not the culprit. It has never been the culprit. More people are killed with bricks and pipes and fists and rent-a-cars, except in those areas where the prosecutors and the judges in the court system intentionally unleash these devils into our neighborhoods over and over and over again. My name is Ted Nugent, and I don't believe in repeat offenders. I believe in dead offenders. You you rape somebody in my presence, I'm cutting you in half. You break into my house, I'm going to call 911 and have them bring a dustpan and a broom because that's all that's going to be left of your failed evil ass. God gave me the gift of life. And if I intellectually believe that it is being jeopardized by you, you're dead. Well, maybe not. No, I was going to say neutralized. No, you're dead. What? Uh, uh, no mincing words there. <laughs> I've never minced words because you know it's true. They're literally the reason they charged Kyle Rittenhouse in the most perfect example of self-defense is to teach society you can't stop arsonists. You can't stop rapists and murderers. If you try, we'll prosecute you. You'll be prosecuted for trying to stop evil because we're on the side of evil. That's the mantra of the Democrats. Of course we're divided. Who would not want to be divided from that? Good people are divided against evil people, and that's how it should be. And in Virginia, we prove that good people can vote in representatives who support God, family, country, constitution, bill of rights, self-defense, law and order, being the best that you can be, work ethic. We're to, those, those American foundational attributes I just listed are the nemesis of the left. Of course we're divided. Good is good, evil is evil, and we can't welcome you into our tent until you repent. Do you see, uh, where do you see the Kyle Rittenhouse go, uh, case going? As it's uh, Boy, if, winding uh, down. If that's not perfect self-defense, I, I, I don't know what is. Uh, a, a, a paroled, convicted child rapist. There's an example, engineered recidivism. 
out doing his evil stuff. The guy, the guys he killed were all mentally deficient, deep into the realm of evil, because that's what you have to be to do what they were doing that night in Kenosha. And all the examples, Atlanta and Minneapolis, oh my God, and Seattle and Portland, holy shit, and Chicago, oh my God. Evil people think they run the day. And Kyle Rittenhouse showed the spirit of good men as a young teenage 17-year-old who went to be an asset to victims of evil in Kenosha and the evildoers truly were trying to kill him and he stopped him. That's, that's perfect. That's literally the ballet of good over evil. If they don't completely acquit him, first of all, if I was in charge of the system, I would charge the prosecutor with the numerous felonies he committed on film. And the glaring support for evil that he represented, the entire prosecutorial team, just the definition of anti-American, anti-human, anti-justice, pro-evil over good. So I pray, I pray that uh, George uh, was acquitted on the Trayvon Martin and that uh, the officer in Missouri uh, was acquitted when he killed the, the punk Michael Brown, the evildoer, the, the liability to his family, his fellow man, his neighbors. The, the officer's name evades me right now, but he did what he had to do. Well, he was unarmed. He was about to get armed, and statistics prove that when a big giant guy attacks an officer and gets his gun, the cop's going to die. The, the cop did exactly what he was trained to do and what instinct and morality guides us to do. So there's been a number of instances that I've supported the good guys over the bad guys, and I'm doing the same here with Kyle Rittenhouse. In fact, I'm going to get a hold of Kyle Rittenhouse, and I'm going to provide him a lifetime supply of ammunition. And I'd like to begin the Kyle Rittenhouse tactical um, uh, masterclass, because as a young man, boy, did he do good. He knew that weapon. He was a samurai as a teenager that under those unbelievable traumatic and physically assaultive conditions, he did his job. It was beautiful. I, I applaud everything Kyle Rittenhouse stands for, and I condemn everything the other side stands for. Yeah, I think they're getting close to um, uh, relatively winding that case down, or I think it's uh, going to the jury. Now, Mrs. Newton, already... I love you guys, but I love Mrs. Oh, Newton I understand. More. Sure. And Absolutely. I take her to the clay pot in a way that <laughs> means food in the world. Because last night we had venison, and tonight we're having duck, but I like to take her out for some commercial goods. Plus, sure. the Vietnamese cook up as close as you can get to pure wild game, mm. the way they prepare their fish meals and their different meals. So uh, we like to support sure. the local restaurants when, when, you know, not very often, but often enough. Sure. Well, Ted, I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us uh, uh, by the way, I uh, you changed my life in 2010. You let me play your Taylor guitar. I think uh, in um, Jackson, Michigan, my TV station, NBC 25, did an interview with you, and I I tagged along, and that, that moment changed my life, man. <laughs> so, well, no kidding. That's great to hear. Yeah. Well, God bless you guys. I I it, I sincerely thank you for letting me mouth off because even though I, I I seem like a big mouth, I really am a big mouth because that's what the founding fathers wanted Americans to be. They wanted us to be suspicious and they wanted us to be in charge of our destiny and that the government works for us. 
So when people go, ah, Nugent's a loudmouth, you're damn right I am. Ah, Nugent's a radical, you bet I am. I'm experimenting in self-government. That's the most radical thing in the history of the human species, and I couldn't be more proud. And I appreciate you guys giving me a vehicle here, a venue, a, 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 a technology, because when I speak, I promise you this, it's not me, it's us. I speak self-evident truth, logic, and common sense. I hang with hard-working ranchers and farmers and teachers and cops, soldiers and sailors and airmen and hardware store operators and collision shops and, and, and hunters and fishermen and trappers and families. These are not my words. These are the words of the best people in America, rock solid in the asset column because we get up early and we put our heart and soul into being the best that we can be. So we're successful, capable, and poised to be an asset to our fellow man. And to be hated for doing that is proof that I am literally doing God's work and that the people that hate me are just complete idiots. <laughs> you can see that it brings a smile to my face. So God bless you guys for you listening too. to the old guitar you player too, and the real Americans that I represent. And I wish you Godspeed. And I really mean it how I open this up. Happy Thanksgiving every day. Happy Veterans Day every day. Happy Independence Day every day. Amen. Happy America Day every day. And I hope you have a great, great quality time with your family and friends over the holidays. You too, I look you too to sir. And I can't wait till American muscle is unleashed on an yes. unsuspecting public because I love the music. And again, Greg Smith, Jason Hartless, Michael Lutz and Andy and Tim Paddle and my, my friends, Linda and Doug, my team, yeah. my family, my friends, my band, my crew. I, Great crew. The, I don't I don't settle for being in the lap of God. I wallow in the cleavage of God. <laughs> God's cleavage because God is a female. Mm -hmm. Love it. <laughs> hey, what, what, what's the next single? This is the last question. What, what you, what's coming next from, from the, the new album? Well, I got so many licks. I got a beautiful love song called Skinny Bitches that I think you guys will really enjoy because we all love the skinny bitches. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I make guitar fire every day. My guitar loves me, and it challenges me to go into uncharted territory. I'm surrounded by the best musicians. I'm doing a Ted Nugent Greasy Speakeasy at Tucker Hall in mm. Waco on Highway 6 with a bunch of hell-raising shit kickers and just outrageous, <laughs> greasy, nasty, unleashed rhythm and blues rock and roll. I'm having the greatest hunting season of my life. The ducks, the pheasants, the doves, the squirrels, the rabbits, the deer. There's so many deer, it's target rich. I'm shooting my bow real good because I'm focused. And by the way, here's a te Uncle Ted tech tip. You can get it on the Ted Nugent Spirit Campfire. I do it every Monday night. People should come on because truth, logic, and common sense will cleanse the soul. Everybody, if you get, and you should get, a bow and arrow that is graceful and absolutely simple to draw back, not powerful, graceful, and easy. The Zen of your life as you control the mystical flight of the arrow, whatever you pursue in life will become more gratifying. You'll become better at it. If you dedicate yourself to an isolated time each day, even if it's only 10 minutes, even if it's just in the living room with a target right there in the living room, and you go hand, eye, conscience, hand, 
spirit. It's so stimulating. It's the origins of Zen that the native peoples from the Native Americans to the Aborigines to the Native Africans, that projectile management from your being, we have a laser in all of us. God, we don't use but a small percentage of what God has given us. A great uh, Apache chief said, God has already given you everything you need. You need to find it, respect it, and use it efficiently. Mm. And archery will bring that out. I'm telling you, it is. It, and talking about relaxing, holy smokes. It's like you float. And then here's the most important thing. The sex is out of body. <laughs> Godspeed, guys. Happy Godspeed. Take care. Take you too. Thank you, sir. Aim small, right. miss small. Go nuts. Yeah. Yeah.